gospel continuing and although I wasn't here I went through uh, the material for the first two weeks so basically gone through talking about that the fact that God has privileged us to be the ones to carry this good news that that he is proclaiming through us and um, at the same time God is sovereign over all these things and um, one thing that came to mind as I was looking at that and contemplating is uh, a, uh, I'm not going to give you a quote, but sort of paraphrase what C.S. Lewis said in one of his books. And he was actually speaking specifically of prayer, but it sort of goes with the gospel. And it's that it gives us the opportunity to participate in the sovereignty of God. It's like God is privileging us to go out and proclaim this good news and he's the one who is doing the work in these people's hearts um, but he's doing it through the message that we're privileged to preach to proclaim and so it's good news which means there is news which means there's content there's something in there there's a specific message and that's what we're going to look at today what is the gospel what is the good news so um does someone have uh our first passage let me see it's uh yeah romans 1 16 and 17 we're going to start with that tells us where the power, where does the power lie in when we go out and proclaim this message? The power, power's in the gospel. It's, um, it's in the message itself. And it's something that I think uh, a lot of us, I know I, I think we all fall into this. We want to be as eloquent as we can. We want to, in addition to saying the right things, we want to make sure we say it the right way. And we start to get hung up in, in the method, in our own eloquence and things like that. But where does the power lie? It lies in the message itself and not in our eloquence. Um, Someone should have 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 17 and 18. Or, I'm sorry. Um, 
Excuse me. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 1, 17 and 18. Does someone have that? Maybe I have that. I think I have that. I'm sorry. So speaking of, this is Paul sort of speaking about how he came to the, to the Corinthians. And he said, for, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the, cro- lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So the power is in the message, is in the gospel, is in the, the cross of Christ. And if you, it's sort of a word picture there that, um, that there's power in the message in the cross and that if he relies on his eloquence, if he were to come and if it was, if this message, if the power if the results were depending on his eloquence, the power that's within the gospel would be emptied out, he says. It would be poured out. So there's a, very, there's a big contrast, and Paul does that in numerous places, but he contrasts his own eloquence or lack of eloquence with where the real power is, which is in the gospel. So the power is there, and the power is is to someone has a Ezekiel thirty-seven fourteen, I think. Gives a from the Old Testament sort of. A, does someone have that? I, I'm not sure if I. Ezekiel thirty-seven. There, it talks about the valley of the dry bones, and that's a. That's a perfect illustration from the Old Testament of the power of God's word. His, his, it's a power not just to convince, not just to persuade. It's actually the power he, he makes clear to give life where, where death uh, was. And so, so the power is in the message itself. It's in, it's in the actual word. Um, one of my favorite stories that, that I've heard, an account of somebody coming to Christ, I've heard it twice. Um, two different individuals who shared the same experience. But it comes from the old uh, Soviet Union. Back in the days when um, it was difficult to get a Bible. So here, here's a person, they heard of Jesus, they heard of, you know, a little bit about that there was this gospel and, you know, but they didn't really know. They didn't know if they could get a Bible. They wouldn't know where to get one if they did. So they thought, well, I'll go down to the library and I'll see if I can find one there. Well, apparently in the Soviet Union, they would have something that was along the lines of, you know, the Soviet, you know, not the Bible, but we're going to explain, describe the Bible to you. So what they did is they would go through and they would say why the Bible wasn't true. This, this foolish message that this man Jesus died on, on a cross and that, that somehow he'd, he was dying to take care of, of sins, that this, all these reasons why it was a lie that he rose from the dead, and things like that. 
And both of these people said that in reading through this, God used that to bring them to a saving uh, understanding. So the gospel is so powerful. The message is so powerful that God uses it in these cases. And I, and I think there's cases probably um, all throughout the history of the church and today where God is using a negative word. He is using it to his, to his ends. And that is the power of the gospel. That's one example of it. And there's so many. And, and I, you've, you've all, a lot of you have probably um, um, had this experience too where you have a chance to talk to someone and you think, uh, man, I blew it. That was, that was horrible. I, everything I said was totally disjointed. I don't see how they could understand the thing. And maybe other times where you think, man, I really nailed it. I, I was so eloquent. Um, I don't know about you, but the times when there seems to be more of a, a greater result, uh, a greater response, are those times when I said, I blew it. I don't, there's no way they could understand that. And I just, and I've, I've heard other people said the same thing. And it's just, um, the power is in the gospel. And I, I think, I'm sure God does it that way. And just like what Paul was saying, to make it clear where the power is, it's not in our eloquence. It's, now, having said that, the other side is, it's not, um, it's not unimportant what we say. It's not unimportant um, that we do have clarity when we, we do talk about that. So we're gonna get into that right now. Um, one thing that Paul talks about, especially in Galatians, which Davey is <laughs> getting into again, but there are false gospels. He makes it clear that there are messages out there that are not the gospel. In fact, they're contrary to the gospel. So um, someone has Galatians 1, 6 through 12. Can they read that? So, strong words from Paul. The gospel leads to life. So, the false gospel, Paul makes clear, leads to what? Death. Death. That's right. And so, Paul was speaking against a particular false 
gospel that was specifically, you know, being, uh, uh, pro, you know, promulgated during that time, um, which isn't so, uh, so prevalent nowadays. So speaking specifically against the Judaizers and in particular ones said, well, you got to be, you have to add this. You can't be saved unless you add this thing, which is circumcision. And so, but there's plenty of false gospels out there. Just what are some of them? Just blurt them out that nowadays that are. Yeah. Yeah, which says that, among other things, that Jesus is is not a God. Yeah, right, right. And so, yeah, yeah. So Jesus, if being something other, less than who he says, who he's proclaimed to be in the scripture, uh, really, he would not have the ability to, or the position to, to die for us. And so that's, a false gospel which leads not to life but to death. What are some others? Well, you know what was interesting, what we just heard, is the whole Book of Mormon is based on the angel Moroni. And it just said in there, even if an angel should bring it to you. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. There's many, many out there. Hmm. I think the ones that are maybe the closest. Sometimes the most dangerous because people don't see the difference. So I would say yeah. just one that's probably preached in Christian churches all over is be a better person. Yeah. Uh, do, do good deeds and God will in the end hopefully see that those are better than your yeah. do bad deeds, which we'll talk about that a lot this morning. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so something where it's sort of just completely ignores or sort of negates the importance of what the gospel specifically is, you know, why you don't, you can improve yourself to a point, why did Jesus have to die, you know, that kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of sort of, I don't know, mis mystical kind of things out there. Yeah, Scientology. The three later in the later in the class, you know, we'll be talking about Catholicism, Orthodox Judaism, yeah, uh, being a Muslim. And I and I think just this sort of kind of idea that um, you can be spiritual, you know, you, people, there's that, that term is actually used a lot out there now. You know, he's a very spiritual person and things like that. Just this idea, maybe it goes along with this idea of um, diver diversity, multiculturalism, that every, everyone has their own idea and it's just as good as the other, which is all, you know, self. Eventually you're gonna have a self-defeating, you know, argument or whatever. It's, it's, they can't all be true because they say they're, most of them say that this is the truth, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's so many false gospels which are leading to 
if not eternal life in their message, they're leading to a better life, a fulfillment and things like that, which is sort of the end goal, which comes, which comes short anyway of what the gospel even, um, you know, the message of what the gospel brings, which is eternal life. So um, many false gospels out there today, every age, uh, until Christ returns, there will be false gospels, um, many, many. So one thing, and I, I think I'm going to pass over this right now, but in your notes, it talks about the gospel calls for a right response. We'll, we'll sort of look at that at the end. So let's look at what the gospel is. What is the message? As we said, there's there's content, there's specific content. In fact, it's content that is based not on a philosophy, not on a good idea, not on even just a set of truths, but it's actually based upon truth that it's, it's grounded in time and space event. So, uh, it's most clearly articulated really in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. So someone have that? Want to read that? Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in me, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. So, Paul lays out, this is what the gospel is. So, so what are the elements of this? First of all, Christ died. Second, Christ rose from, the, rose from the dead. He was raised. Um, it talks about how he was seen by men, which is, conf, which is the proof, it's confidence. Paul doesn't, in fact, he goes on to say later in this same chapter that if Christ was not raised from the dead, then you know, we're of all people to be pitied the most. So there's, there's uh, proof, there's proof that is given that Christ did in fact conquer death. He rose from the dead. And because this is grounded in something that happened, actually happened, event that happened in in time, in space, um, there's proof of that. There's, and so it's like there is a solid grounding uh, to this message. Um, and, and of course, when this was said, there were people alive who could have easily disproven it, uh, easily said, hey, um, where are those 500 that, that supposedly saw him? Well, they, they, they were around, they existed, and so, um, the fact that this gospel continued to um, 
go out and spread and, and was believed and stuff like that is further evidence that, it, that these truths did happen in history. These are historical events. And so, and the other thing, and we'll, we'll see this in more clearly in a couple other passages, but Jesus, he rose, but then he also, he was, he went, he ascended to heaven and he is sitting at the right hand of God now in physical bodily form. And he now sits and reigns as, as the king. And so these are all elements of, of this gospel message. And so, so this is content, this is stuff. These are facts that should be included in the gospel when we proclaim it. Now, we talked about some false gospels. There's also, I don't know, I, I sort of call them semi-gospels. They're messages that sort of fall short. Um, and, you know, and I, I think I've seen it sometimes in like tracts and stuff like that where they, they preach some truth, but they sort of, sort of come short. I don't know, does anyone have an example? Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah, a lot of them pull scripture out of context and they also paraphrase. Okay. You know, when you take half of a verse and lead off the other half, you're missing the message. And you yeah. see that a lot. Yeah. One of them, I think, is that um, that God offers forgiveness, you know, we just, we need to, you know, confess our sins, we need to repent, we go to God and he will give us forgiveness. That's true, but is that the gospel? When, if, if that's where we stop, is that the gospel? I mean, can we, can we say that? I, I would say no, I would say that's a true message which falls short. And, I mean, just to highlight back in the gospel, like you said at the beginning, the message, the message, the message has content. It's, it's an announcement to be heralded, heralded of what Christ has done. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of times tracks are geared towards, here's what you need to do. Right. But it doesn't, it separates it from what Christ has done. Yeah. Uh, maybe the intention is that you would hand it to somebody and explain. But a lot of times, like, if you... Believe in Jesus, you will have uh, eternal joy. And it's like, okay, but well, yeah, what happened? You know, where we, you know, sin and death and yeah. Speaking, speaking of that, it's like sometimes a lot of times something that's left out, and it is more about the person. Like, what should they do? Is there? It just says on the track, or or even when somebody shares it, just like, and you're bad, so you're gonna go to hell. <laughs> They're like, whoa, hey, yeah, really. Really, yeah. I'm going to go to hell. Is that true? And the, but they're not sharing the truth of like, no, I'm stuck. And so you're not right with God. The story's about God. Yeah. And you're not right with Him. And He's going to respect that. Yeah. And you're going to stay not right with Him. But they just leave that out. So the person's like, oh, really? I'm so so offended I am. And it's like, no, you're not telling the whole story. And we're not the ones to make the judgment anyway. Yeah, and then they think the person that's telling them is telling them, like, oh, so you've decided I'm going to hell. Right. No, it's God is letting you. Yeah, and, um, and I, I think another one in, is, 
where when we're saved, I mean, so many things happen, right? We're given peace with God. We're, we're given salvation. We're saved from the wrath of God. We're uh, given eternal life. Um, you know, an, an eternal inheritance. We're adopted in family. These are all true things that happen. Um, and so sometimes that's the message. Uh, these are the things you can get. These are the things that God offers. Um, and those are also true, but sometimes it's like if you're leaving out the core message of the gospel, uh, that's really not a gospel message that is being preached. Now, I will say, and like I say, we, sometimes we, sometimes, you know, we fall short, obviously, as we talk to people and proclaim this. And sometimes the situation is such that, you, you know, the person's condition, we're emphasizing something. We're trying to meet them where they are and all of this. And, and we leave these things out. Well, God, of course, um, he overcomes all this. So I think, and I think uh, when I was saved, it was probably, well, not probably. I know that the, bringing in things I had heard from all sorts of different sources, you know, they come together. So um, I, I, God probably often, probably normally, usually works this way where, you know, the gospel message is heard, the, the content of the gospel is heard. But at a, pers at a certain point in time, maybe um, you're talk uh, someone's talking to someone, maybe hears a message on the radio or, or comes into church and hears something and, and all these things click. And so that the response may not be at that very time when this gospel message is heard. So understanding that God uses all of these things. So this is not to diminish the, these uh, other, you know, what I say are sort of semi-gospels that fall short of the actual. But our intent, intent right here is to say, okay, what is the message that we need to make sure is proclaimed that is the power of, of salvation? And so it's good to, you know, right now be clear on that and that's what the intent is. And so, so those were, so as we read in uh, first, you know, first Corinthians 15 there, those are the facts, those are the facts of the gospel. Um, so, but again, when we relay that to people, when, when we are out talking to people or we're, uh, putting it into a message that we're proclaiming. Um, it's, um, there's a lot of other things we, we, we do. I mean, it is true that we want to meet people where they're at. The gospel is, <clears throat> throughout scripture, there's, um, God meets people. And the message of the gospel is relevant in every situation, every group of people, you know, a person wherever they're at. So when we're out wanting to share this, we, you know, we want to do that. We want to do it in the context that, uh, you know, of talking, meeting that person where they are. And so sometimes, um, 
you know, how do we do that? How do we make sure that we sort of hit all those elements of the gospel? And one way, and I think, Davy, is this the one? The so one one sort of uh, way to systematize this in your mind to make sure is that the God, man, Jesus response is that the one that you one God, man, Christ response. So. That's sort of a good, I don't know, checklist, if you will, to, that when we're out uh, talking to someone, when we're sharing the gospel, is a way to sort of make sure that we cover uh, the things that will make sure, that will ensure that we at least hit the elements of the gospel that um, a person really needs to hear. Um, for it to be, you know, a, a gospel, a clear gospel message. Now, um, it's sort of like, I, I'm not sure if, maybe it's semantics, but sort of, sort of like the first three are the elements of the actual gospel message. The response, though, is what obviously um, needs to happen <laughs> you know the message is out there but and the message is the power but the response is that's why we're proclaiming it we want people to respond to this so that's um an element of sharing the gospel we could say so let's so let's look at those let's break those down um and so we're gonna have a lot of scripture in here so the first is first element is God, God who created heavens and the earth, and he created man to worship and fellowship with him. Um, someone has Isaiah uh, 44, I think 24 to 28. Okay. So God is the creator. He's the master of, of he's sovereign over everything in, in all creation. And um, 
He has authority. Someone has uh, Psalm 50, verses 10 through 12. So God has, he created everything and he, he has complete authority. Everything is his. Um, God is the creator. He's the master. He's the judge. Let me see if I have this right. Deuteronomy 32, 4. The rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. So God created all things. He, he, there's so many, so many scriptures on all of these, so we're just picking out, you know, I picked that one. There's some of them are probably way better passages that uh, describe these things. But God is, he's creator, he's, he rules uh, he has authority and he's a judge. And the one thing that I've, um, conversations I've had with people, sometimes I don't, I think maybe the, this age we live in this, you know, sort of, I don't know, just the times that we're in conveying this idea that God is, he has authority over us, why we should be concerned about the creator God, who's a judge. And one thing I've used is he's, you know, why should he, why should he be able to uh, judge me or, or more, uh, why would he be so, um, I don't know, un, you know, unmoving or unyielding. Um, the things I do are not that bad. I can't see where, you know, can he? My idea of God is that he would just say, yeah, I know you're not perfect, but you know, that's okay. This kind of thing. And the, I try to convey that the God of scripture, he's, he's an uncorruptible judge because what you, what you have in mind, what you're describing now, just think if, you're, if your son was your, wherever you are, your, your, your relative, the one you loved was brutally murdered and the killer, the murderer was brought up before the judge. He was convicted and the judge was handing out a sentence and the judge said, ah, that's okay. I think you've learned your lesson. Is that justice? Would we consider that judge a good judge? Would we consider him a corrupt? I would consider that corrupt, you know, corrupt to the core. That's a corrupt judge. God is not a corrupt judge. And so for, for him to say that you who um, have sinned, um, which we'll get into in a second, but you're, you're, you're talking about a, cor a corrupted judge and that's not who God is. Um, And let's see. And God is holy. Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. 
Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So God is holy. He's completely... Um, Sin is something that um, is completely foreign to God. God is a creator with authority over all the affairs of this universe. He's an uncorrupted judge who is holy and, and completely uh, apart from sin. So man, that's the next, uh, next part of this is, is man. What do we know about man? You know, the message is, that needs to be conveyed is that man has rebelled against God and man is in not only sin but is a slave to sin and stands under God's as a as a uncorruptible judge stands under his judgment will will face judgment uh, someone has Romans 5 12 through 14 From, from the first sin of the first man, sin has been carried through every, um, every human being who was born of man, save one, of course. Uh, but we are all sinners because we were born into it. And it's not just that we were born into sin, but we sin and and we all do that. Um, and we're not going to read through it, but Romans 1, where it talks about the power of, of the gospel, then it goes through this long um, um, text here where it just describes how bad man is, why the, the wrath of God is poured out upon man. It's revealed to man because of because man sins and sins and does all these things and is much much worse than he even thinks he is um, there's um, and we know that all have sinned um, someone has I think I handed this out uh, Romans 3 9 through 18 did I give that okay
What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their path. And the path of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And then verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right. And that's a that verse there is a good one to, you know, sort of have have right there to to be able to convey that idea to someone that all have sinned. Um, I think sometimes, maybe again, it's in this times that we have uh, persons that I, I don't sin against God. I mean, I, you know, how can you really say that? I, I, I don't have any problems with God. I'm not out there cursing him, you know. Uh, obviously, they are, but I've had this conversation. I remember one time in particular, it, guy saying, you know, I'm just not that bad. I don't, I'm not afraid of judgment of God. I'm not that bad. <clears throat> so, um, wh what came to my mind is, I said, the idea, you know, Jesus, the two points of the law that Jesus said was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Do you do that? You know, and maybe that that didn't really reach him. I said, but the other thing is love your neighbor as yourself. Can you say you do that perfectly? Can you tell me a time when you put yourself in front of someone else? In fact, can you tell me a time when you actually um, harmed somebody either by what you did, um, even by a word or if, by putting yourself in front of someone else? that you hurt them. It's sort of like, you know, to get someone to, to realize that, yes, uh, you know, maybe to come to, come to the realization or come to grips with the fact that maybe you're not as good as you think you are or whatever. But I, I don't know, that seems like um, that's something. I, I don't know, maybe that's been in every time and age and uh, but it seems like nowadays, particularly, you know, sort of postmodern thinking is like, you know, hey, if it's okay, you know, it's not as bad as that other guy, therefore, good. Um, but no, we are sinners and we will be judged by God because God is the judge. Um, moving on to the next point. So God, holy judge, man. Sinners, we fall under his judgment. Third element is Jesus. Um, so.
so many verses it could be. I, so um, I'm just going to, we're just going to read through some of these scripture, but important points about, you know, to convey about Jesus is Jesus became man. He became a man just like us sinful men who are going to stand before God in judgment. Um, Philippians 2, 4 through 11, someone? Thank, thank you. So Christ became a man. Of course, that one that has all sorts of um, uh, things about Christ in there. Second uh, Thessalonians 1, 5 through 10. Oh, cool. Okay, so yeah, within that, the idea there, so Christ became a man, Christ will also judge, he will judge all, all men. So Christ became a man, he will judge, he also came to, someone has Mark ten forty five. So he came to redeem, to ransom of Romans 5, 8. Yeah, 
I mean, there's so many verses, so many passages out there, but, but um, the, the thing, it, so for this part of it in conveying this part of our, you know, gospel proclamation is that Christ, as God, became, he became a man. He will judge us he came to die, die for us. He came to um, give us the way out of, in order to be able to stand before his judgment. So not only was Christ, not only is Christ the judge, he is also the um, solution to this problem of us as sinners standing before a righteous, holy God. Um, and then one of our favorite passages, it sort of brings this, brings a lot of this together. Second Corinthians 5.21. I've got, I've got that one. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah. So... That, I know that's one of your favorite verses. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of it in a nutshell, that as we, as we saw, God, the holy God, man, completely sinful, standing before his judgment, has no chance in and of ourselves. But Christ, what God has done, he's, he's done this, Replacement. He has put our sin upon Jesus, and he's put Jesus' righteousness upon us. You know, that is what happens. That is why Jesus came. And, and so, but that all, this message requires a certain response. And so that's... Um, and that's as we were talking about earlier, the response <clears throat> has to be based on the content of the gospel. So, so it's important for us to try to be clear in our message of who God is, who we really are and how we stand before God, what our condition is, what our dilemma is, um, and what the solution is, and that's through Jesus himself and what he did and the fact that he came, he died for our sins, he rose again in victory, he ascended and he now sits at the right hand of God, he will judge all humanity, but because of what he did for us, now we, we can respond in that. And we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. But the response, um, and this is where it gets in. And, you know, it's, there are facts. There are facts that need to believe. And it says that it talks about that we need to believe, you know, um, that, you know, uh, John 3.16, that 
whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so I think we all, we, we understand as Christians that believe is beyond, it's, it's believing the facts, that's obviously an element of it. But there's a, um, the idea of believe, of faith in the Bible is a complete, it's not just simply believing facts, but it's completely resting upon it. It's completely um, putting ourselves under the authority of, of God, of Christ, but it's understanding that um, there is no other way and that, um, so there's, and as we saw in some of these passages too, there's, a, a, there's an element of obedience to that. And so there's an element of putting ourselves under the authority of God, that he is our Lord, that we are now to obey that. Now, that gets into this whole other area of, you know, what gives us the power now to actually obey? We understand this all comes from God. So I would say, I, just in wrapping this up, that as we sort of alluded to in some of the other false gospels are sort of sem, you know, semi-gospels, messages that might miss the, miss the mark. It's important not to put, when we get to this part of the response, it's important to not um, make that as a center focus of our gospel message in that, um, in, and sort of turn that into the works that it's somehow being rewarded. Growing up, I, I did, I went forward in altar calls like three times growing up. And in my mind, it was sort of like, God is, I'm overcoming my nervousness. I'm, I'm walking in, up in front of all these people. And um, so I'm responding to this gospel and God's gonna see the fact that I overcame this and you know, this is sort of earning, you know, I didn't think of it that way, but I was sort of earning my salvation by overcoming my fear and walking up. So I had it backwards, but you know, God in his time, he was patient in his time. He brought me to a point where then um, I understood that uh, it was he who saved. It was this gospel that where the power is and uh, my response. So a lot of this is sort of like in God. Um, God's the one who's going to sort all this out. So, um, but I think um, just to a quick summary one, one more time that um, we are privileged to be able to proclaim this good news that this is the way that God saves Sinners, this is the way that God builds his kingdom, that his kingdom is spread by using us, sinful, imperfect people, to proclaim this message that has the ultimate power in the universe. And the message, a good way to summarize this as we proclaim it is that who God is. God is the creator, the, the judge, who's perfectly holy, perfectly above sin, cannot be, in fact, stained by the stain of sin. We 
are sinful. We were born into sin. We continue to sin. We either actively rebel against God or we simply are indifferent to him, which he deserves as creator. He deserves our um, allegiance to him, certainly not indifference. We also sin against others. We treat others, we're selfish. So we deserve his judgment. God gave us the way out by sending, by coming. Jesus as God became man. He came, he died for our sins. And we, by simply believing that, by accepting that, and by placing ourselves under his authority, we can be saved. We can experience the power that that gospel brings.